0: This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Eventide Investments. They believe that investing is more than just returns. It's an opportunity to partner with companies that align with your values and are making a positive difference in the world. Learn more at eventideinvestments.com.
1: The Human Genome Project discovered amazing things about man's makeup. What it didn't find was a saving gene. Hi, I'm Rob West. In my book, that means saving doesn't come naturally. It's a habit we have to learn, and God's Word tells us why it's so important. I'll talk about the why and the how today, then it's on to your calls and questions at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, Biblical Wisdom for your financial journey. Well, you might be surprised to learn that surveys show less than half of Americans can handle an unexpected expense of $1,000. They have little or nothing in their emergency fund, and when the inevitable financial setback happens, they have to borrow, often using credit cards to cover emergencies. It's also no wonder the Bible tells us that saving is wise. Proverbs 10, 4, and 5 reads, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son. And while it's wise to save, we also have to be careful not to put too much trust in our bank accounts. Because our trust should always be in God, our ultimate provider. He's promised to meet our needs, and He is always faithful. And there's good reason to trust God. Luke twelve twenty four reads, Consider the ravens. They neither reap nor sow. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? God has His part in our provision, and we have ours. We're to save because His Word tells us to. And if you think you can't save because the temptation to spend is too great, take comfort in 1 Corinthians 10.13. It reads, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape, so that you may be able to endure it. Why, then, is it so hard for some people to save money? Well, for some, it can't be avoided. There are people whose income is just too low, basically those below the poverty level. And while that's a real concern and not one to be taken lightly, most people we hear from who are having trouble saving actually make enough to put something away. In their case, self-discipline is the main issue. It comes down to living below your means. God wants our lives to be in balance. He wants us to enjoy His bounty. But Christians are also supposed to take care of their families and and come to the aid of others in the church from time to time who may have needs. That's difficult to do if you have no savings. Remember, everything you have belongs to God, not just what you put in the offering plate. All that we have comes from Him and belongs to Him. We're supposed to be faithful stewards of the resources He entrusts to us. So, here are some steps you can take to start that process. First, you need to have a spending plan. Without one, you're just flying blind. Your budget must cover all of your planned expenses and leave something left over. If you haven't downloaded the FaithFi app, do it now. It'll make the process much easier. Initially, you'll have to cut spending in some areas. You won't be able to save if you maintain your current lifestyle. So look for things you can trim from the budget. And at the same time, don't try to do it all at once. Establishing savings doesn't mean you have to live on rice and beans for every meal. If it hurts too much, you won't stick to it. So be realistic as you cut your spending. Next, make a resolution that you'll save something from every paycheck. Establishing that habit is much more important than reaching the ultimate goal. You want to develop the discipline of saving. As time goes on and you're successfully putting something away each payday, you can begin to increase your savings. You should also set a goal for the amount you'll save. It should be attainable. Instead of thinking, I'll save 5000 this year, shoot for 100 or $200 a month to get you started. Now, all savings should begin with your emergency fund, and here you can set another goal. Start with trying to get $1,500 in the bank, then one month's living expenses. Keep going until you have three to six months saved up. After that, your savings goals can change to things like buying your first home, taking a trip to build family memories, or giving to your favorite ministry. If you're married, this all has to be a team effort, so set your long-range goals together and celebrate your progress along the way, but keep it in the budget, of course. The last step involves prayer. Ask God to give you self-control and a contented heart. Developing the habit of saving will dramatically improve your life, your relationships, and your ability to be used by God you'll sleep a lot better too. All right. Your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. We'll be right back. We're grateful for support from Guidestone, whose diversified suite of investment solutions align with Christian values to create positive change in the world. More information is available at GuidestoneFunds.com. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of Guidestone Funds before investing. They're distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, which is not an advisory affiliate, a registered investment advisor, nor do they provide investment advice.
0: Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back.
1: With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. C-A-C-H-Ministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, it's time to take your calls and questions today. We've got a few lines open. The calls have been coming in, so we're about to dive in. The number is 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We're going to go to Palos Hills. Marianne, I know you called yesterday and didn't get through. I'm glad you called back. How can I help?
2: Well, thanks for taking my call. Um, I got some money in a bonus recently, and I want to figure out the best use of it. Uh, I took out a car loan in September on a 2016 Honda, have a balance of about 24000 on it and a payment of about 770 a month. Um, I got the loan through my credit union, and they've told me I can re-amortize it to drop the amount of the payment if I want to do that. Um, I've also got um, a regular IRA and a Roth IRA. I'm wondering if I should put some in there, some towards the the note on the car, or one or the other. I'm trying to figure out the best use of about, uh, but between ten and twelve thousand.
1: Okay, so the bonus was ten to twelve thousand, and you owe twenty four on the car, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, do you have a sense, Marianne, of kind of which you want to do? Here's the bottom line. You know, this comes down to, are both of these productive uses of this money? Absolutely. The idea of investing is great. The idea of paying down debt is great. I mean, we can look at kind of the financial side of this purely, but is there something in you that just really wants to see this balance on the car come down? Or are you truly wanting to know which is the most financially productive?
2: probably the more financially productive because most likely I'll be able to pay the car off with whatever, assuming God willing, uh, whatever bonus I get next year in January, I could pay it all off if I wanted to, or, um, you know, I've got some other potential funds coming in if I sell my house to use that to pay off the car. note. I just, I'd like to get out of debt, but I also want to be smart about using what I have to yeah. um, increase my my uh, retirement savings.
1: Yeah, very good. And then if you don't mind me asking, what is your age?
2: I'll, I'll be 60 this year.
1: Okay. And do you have retirement savings in a 401k or something other than the Roth?
2: I do. I, I, okay. have, I have a Roth IRA and I have a regular IRA.
1: Okay. Um, but you don't have a company-sponsored plan like a 401k or something like that?
2: They have a pension where I'm working now. It's it'll be a relatively small one, but I've got several hundred thousand between the. um, I've got most of it in the regular IRA and about fifteen thousand in the Roth, which is why I was maybe leaning towards putting some in the Roth.
1: Yeah, I like that idea for a couple of reasons. Number one, you don't have a, you know, 401k at work. You do have that pension and you've built up quite a nest egg and that's great. But I think your ability to continue to fund this Roth moving forward to have as much as you can available to supplement social security is going to help you. Number two, the market's down. So as you invest in perhaps more or increasing the investments you already had, you're buying at a discount. and We like discounts when we go to the mall. We we also should like discounts in the stock market because we're essentially with the same dollars buying more shares and those will recover if we have a long time horizon and even at age 60, you do. If the Lord tarries and you're in good health, you need this money to last decades. So this is a great opportunity. This year, over the age of 50, you could put in $7,500. So if your emergency fund is fully funded and i would define that as 3 to 6 months expenses i'd say take 7500 of this 12 12- Thousand or so, and go ahead and fully fund the Roth for this year. Let's participate in the recovery as the market increases. Once we get you know beyond this recession, or even prior to it, and then if you wanted to take the balance and put it on the car, that's great. You know, if you were going to be able to completely eliminate the seven hundred and seventy dollar a month car payment, and then you could turn around and take that amount and start pumping it in every month into the Roth, that'd be great. But you're not going to help yourself from a, a cash flow standpoint by you know putting twelve thousand on the car because you're still going to have that payment and it's at a low interest rate. So I think fully funding the Roth, putting the balance on the car, and then trying to pay that off as you have additional funds makes some sense to me.
2: Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Can I ask you one quick additional question? Of course. I'm thinking of moving from Illinois to Tennessee, and I'm sure you know, no state income tax, in Tennessee, I'm yeah. wondering if there's any sort of residency requirement. If you happen to know, to yeah, be able in to or- eliminate,
1: yeah, yeah. This, so, like, if you would, you were going to live both places, is that right?
2: Well, I would, I would move to Tennessee probably permanently, and I'm thinking that there's probably a six month residency requirement.
1: Yeah, uh, generally that is the rule, but, uh, you know, you have to be in the state for six months. Uh, when you're relocating there for the first year, I'm not sure if there's, a particular, you know, way to get around that Uh, on an ongoing basis, generally to establish residency in a particular state, you have to be there at least six months. And I know a lot of folks from Illinois do that in the state of Florida because of the uh, no income tax there. But for that first year, I I don't know. Um, We could certainly look into it, but I couldn't give you a definitive answer on that.
2: Okay. All All right. That's very helpful. Thank you so much. Appreciate You're welcome, it.
1: Marianne. Absolutely, and thanks for your call today. Uh, to Pennsylvania, hey John, how can I help you? Yeah, I, thanks for taking my call.
2: Um, so I recently I received a nice inheritance, and I tithed on that, and now um, that, along with our regular tithe throughout the year, um, comes to probably to, to about the same amount as I typically earn in a year. So can I put if I put that on my? T- can I do that on my tax deduction? And is that going to trigger an audit?
1: Well, you know, anytime you're making a substantial contribution that uh, goes up above a certain threshold, and in this case, if that tithe is above, you know, all of your income for the year, uh, first of all, you wouldn't be able to deduct all of it, but... um you know, it it certainly will make you more likely that you would have an audit anytime there's something kind of out of the ordinary like that. Um and if this appears to be too much, you know, they'll take a, a closer look at it. Obviously there's a clear explanation and there's no reason why, you know, you can't itemize if you go above the standard deduction uh, you know, for this year, which happens to be uh this year I believe it's twenty seven thousand seven hundred for a married couple. Um, you know, you can itemize that. And, you know, I I wouldn't be terribly concerned about an audit. I mean, obviously, if you've done everything the way that, uh, you know, you should, you'll come out of that. It should be fairly simple. There's a logical explanation for this. But anytime you have a disproportionately large charitable contribution, the IRS will inspect that a little more closely. And the likelihood of an audit certainly is increased, although it's still, you know, a low percentage uh, given all of the tax returns that are out there. So
2: it would probably be being a good steward if I did put it on to itemize it, right? Trying to Oh, take absolutely. Advantage of the,
1: oh, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, there's no reason not to. I mean, I wouldn't pay a dime more tax than you're expected to. And if you have the ability to itemize and you've made a large charitable deduction, I would uh, absolutely take full advantage of that and, and not think twice about it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Right. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For your help. You are very welcome. And thanks for your call today. Uh, well, with folks, we've already covered a lot of ground and a lot more great questions to come. We've got one line open at 800 525 7000. You know, as we think about managing God's money, we want to hold it loosely, but the goal is to be found faithful. That is, obedience in the same direction over a long period of time. How are we financially faithful? Well, We want to take our cues from God's Word, not this world. We don't want to be caught up in the temporal materialism and greed and envy or some of the hallmarks of the cultural worldview of money. We want to replace that with a biblical worldview that allows us to operate as a steward with contentment, with generosity at our core, and being faithful in the same direction over a long time. Let's do that together as we talk about your questions. We'll take a quick break and back with much more on faith and finance. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. More than 50,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free faith and finance account. Just visit faithfi.com and click sign up.
2: If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit christiancreditcounselors.org. That's christiancreditcounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985.
1: Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, back to the phones we go again. A few lines open, 800-525-7000. Give us a call to Florida. Uh, Hi, Susan. Go right ahead.
0: Hi there. So I have been saving, I'm 60. I've been saving my whole entire life and been way too scared to ever invest. And so now I'm at a point where I have a lot, a lot, a lot saved up. And everybody is pushing me to invest, and I'm scared to death. But it does make sense that um, I'm afraid of losing it. And yet, if I don't probably invest, I may not have enough to get me all the way through the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I understand that. Here's the reality, Susan. You know, uh, we bring all kinds of money temperaments to the table. We also have different backgrounds related to money. And in fact, our childhood is one of the most foundational elements of how we handle money today. Was money scarce or plentiful? Was it managed wisely or was there a lot of debt involved? You know, did you just scrape by or, you know, was there an abundance? And a lot of that forms who we are and how we see and handle money today. Day? Do we hold it with a clenched fist because we're worried we're going to lose it? or Are we able to uh, hold it loosely and give it generously? And ultimately, I think it comes down to money being a heart issue. And uh, we've got to ultimately make sure that our trust is in the Lord. And I'm not saying you're any different than anybody else. I'm talking to myself as well here, Susan. We've got to remember that God is our provider and His provision uh, is complete and it's sufficient. And yes, we need to be wise stewards. And so I think wrestling through that with the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you and I want to be wise with this. I want to follow wisdom from your word. And ultimately, at the end of the day, between you and the Lord, with you as the steward, you've got to make the best decision you can for you. We don't want to react out of fear, though, because we want to remember that God is on the throne and he is our provider, not the U.S. economy or the government or your employer or your stock portfolio ultimately you know God is where you need to place your trust now what does it look like to, to move wisely then toward a plan for investing this hard-earned money which you said is a, a large sum because you've been faithful in saving for a long long time and I think you know that's where you've got to look at options and you've got to seek wise counsel one of the things to remember Susan is that yes you can lose money by investing it and having a loss on the investment the other way to lose money is by not not doing anything. And that's because your purchasing power is eroding every day that this money is not working for you. And that's through something we're all quite familiar with these days called inflation. So as goods and services and the prices of them rise, the value of your dollar is shrinking. And so that's one of the reasons why we need to put it to work. And so I think the key for you here is to seek wise counsel, not so you can just blindly turn this over to someone and not have any idea what they're doing, but that so you, with someone who has the heart of a teacher who can educate you, but also uh, actually take responsibility with your goals and objectives and your risk tolerance in mind, build a portfolio that allows this money to grow. And yes, that means there's going to be the risk of loss. But as long as we take a long time horizon, which you have, even once you reach retirement, if you're in good health and the Lord tarries with that long time horizon, you should do well. So I think the next step for you is to interview some advisors that could serve you in this area and help you build a plan that you're comfortable with that allows you to sleep well at night, but also to have this money working for you. But that's a lot of information. So give me your thoughts.
0: Well, the first, I have a question and a thought. My first question is, do you think at the time that it is with the way the market is, is it wiser to invest in tangible things like real estate and gold versus the stock market right now?
1: I don't. I mean, I like real estate and I like gold, but only with a a portion of your investment. So with gold, I would say, you know, typically we'd say five to 10% of your portfolio. I like gold right now, so maybe that pushes it to the upper end of the range at 10% of the portfolio, but I wouldn't overweight in gold. It just doesn't have the long-term performance that a stock and bond portfolio does. I like real estate, but that's gonna involve a lot more work on your part, a lot more capital. May involve debt, a lot more hands-on because you're going to have to manage the property and deal with the maintenance and the upkeep and the taxes and the repairs and all of that. So I think the simplest way to go would be to have a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio with an allocation to gold in it, but where the bulk of it is through uh, you know investments with stocks and bonds. Uh, Here's the reality in terms of the timing. Number one, we don't want to try to time it. So the key is to just take a long-term perspective, but. Number two, we often like to buy things at a discount when we go shopping. Unfortunately, we don't apply that same thinking to the stock market. You know, we want to buy in when the market's doing really well, which means it's at the top. I kind of like buying in while it's on a, you know, these stocks are on sale at a discount, which is what we're experiencing right now with the market, you know, still a couple of thousand points on the Dow off of its high uh, from all time. So I think this is actually a great time to invest personally
0: do you have anybody that you
1: would recommend? I absolutely do. But I'm going to recommend not a person, but a designation. You know, here at Faith and Finance, we trust the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation. These are men and women who've met high standards and character and competence and experience pastor references, client references, they've signed a statement of faith, and we've done a regulatory review, but they've also been trained professionally to bring biblically wise financial advice. So what I'd like you to do is head to our website, faithfi.com, that's faithfi.com, and click find a CKA. Does that sound good?
0: It, well, the best direction you gave me was to take my heart before the Lord because you nailed it. Yes. I was raised in a very poor household, so that was the best. Thanks.
1: Good. Well, that's a big part of this. You need to make this a matter of prayer, and I'd interview at least two or three advisors to find the one that's the best fit for you. Uh, to Idaho, Jamita, how can I help you?
2: Yes, I have a question on the re, on the uh, required minimal distribution. Okay. Uh, it, when when I had that sent directly to our church, and I've done that for the last couple of years. My question is: Will they still send me a statement? about that from the retirement company. And does that statement have to be turned in with the tax report or not? Because it has not marked on there that this does not say how much has to be taxed.
1: Yeah, and so you use the qualified charitable distribution. So, um, you know, basically uh, on the line for the taxable amount, you would enter zero if the full amount was a qualified Charitable distribution. And then next to that line, you'd typically write QCD. Um, so that they could see that it was a qualified charitable distribution. Thanks for uh, calling in today. We appreciate your question. Well, that's all our time for today. But before we go, I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. If you're not yet one of our financial partners, but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faithfi.com then click the give button to sign up and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.